Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. This is going to be an absolutely exceptional podcast this time. And I know before we even discuss again, let me tell you how I know. The reason I know is because we get a lot of comments from you guys and emails, which we love. I love making calls, reaching out to everybody, um, talking about uh, this industry um, not just getting into it, but scaling, uh, managing all the things that, that the detailed focus that makes a difference. Um, we got a review, a uh, five-star review. Thank you very much. Tarko Rose is, is the name. But they, uh, they asked for a future show topic. And the question in here was, was so good that we, we saw it and we said, we're going to make an entire episode on this question. So for Tarko Rose, I think that's your name. Thank you very much for not only the review, but this this great uh, topic, because this is so important in how they phrased the question, which I, I can just read, an in-depth insight on management, what you are looking for when evaluating a, how a facility is being managed, and what you would change, and how to evaluate that personnel already in place. That's, uh, I mean, this, these three essentially questions are just a perfect lead up. And one of the main things that we do in fundamental in operating a facility and finding opportunity. So um, we're going to be ta- hitting on this question uh, and focusing on this um, really hard, which is not just about obviously management employees, but it's on understanding where the opportunity comes from in deals. And uh, how you how do you need to improve too as well, and understanding where the faults in managing your current and existing facilities may be. For sure, for sure. No, it's a great a great question, and uh, yeah, looking forward to jumping into this. Uh, and just like you were talking about, AJ, that's a huge portion of that uh, that value add strategy in uh, what we look for in these facilities and how they're managed. We were just looking at uh, a facility this week. And we were talking about how the owner, the current owner, is just sitting there saying, hey, you know, there's really not much to do. Yes. You know, it's only three to four hours of work a day, you know, and you could just hang out and do whatever. And it's like, perfect. This is the kind of facility we're looking for. <laughs> Two, we have another announcement for our audience, everybody, that we're excited to announce. Um, we have our first true ever sponsor. And I want to talk about it. So we've had people come to us and ask to sponsor. We have said no all the time. This sponsor didn't come to us. I reached out to them because we were looking at getting sponsors. And the only way we were ever going to do it were people that uh, we use. And we so fundamentally believe in the product or service that we've been talking about it anyways. And we appreciate relationships with them. And it's something that 
not only we would use, but we're, we're guiding other people too. And so our partnership with Janus International, um, that's our, that's our sponsor. Um, and we wanted to talk, and I particularly have talked a lot about Noki. And this is one of the reasons why we're so happy to have them as our sponsors is because we were able to really be one of the first people in the industry to roll out a truly fully, you know, front to back end autonomous uh, uh, facility that an individual could rent, occupy, exit, everything, the whole entire life cycle of a customer never interacting with our manager. We have a manager on site. It's a ginormous facility. Um, But I think it was over 10% of our tenants now have actually never even worked with our manager, which is a huge market because they were out of state. So when we when we originally came in and Noki helped us out, we had to really figure out how this was all going to work um, in the facility. And we believed in the product so much um, that we think that this is the new way the facilities will be operated. The new standard. Forward. It's the new standard. Yep. And that's one of the reasons why we've talked about it in the past as well as um, going forward and why we're so happy to have them as a sponsor because we believe that in five years, this will be an expectation of customers. It's not even that we believe that it's going to be an add-on or even a value-add in the future. No, this will be 100% expected and all the facilities won't. And, And your ability to get premium pricing and having a first-class facility and operations will depend on your ability to adapt and work with technologies like Noki. And a lot of people, I think we've had some confusion that they thought, oh, this is just for facilities that are being built. And I think the, the confusion originally started out because that was kind of true because you had to get the um, wiring, you had to get electricity, everything to them. But they've rolled out, um, which we're putting on, yeah, so we actually were using their their battery-operated the, controllers yes. for one of our facilities right now because we actually, through the construction process, didn't end up getting power to a certain building. And it would have been a ton of money to rewire everything and run all that stuff out there. Um, so they said, hey, well, we have a battery-powered operation, you know, that or a controller that we can use to operate all this stuff. And we're like, no way, dude, that's awesome. Like, let's check it out. And it's extremely cost-effective. You simply replace batteries. Batteries aren't super expensive. Their battery life lasts a very long time. Three um, years? Yeah, yeah. Or They're more? Like I mean, these it's... fancy Tesla batteries, but they don't come with a fancy price tag, which was which was nice. So um, long-term, you know, lifetime of that product is, is very manageable as far as maintenance costs go. And it's not in- invasive. That's another thing, mm-hmm. too. It wasn't like it changed the way we had to operate our facility. It just added on to it, and it gave us a step up. So we are charging, and we do, we charge more for a Noki system than we don't. So we're really happy to have them as our our sponsor. I mean, they've done, you know, over a hundred and I think 80 facilities. They're doubling that now by the end of the year. And this is only going to snowball. Um, this is a new, it's new, but it'll quickly become the standard as technology does. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Um, and you want to be on the front end of that because, I mean, we've yeah. talked a lot about, about this on the podcast where uh, there's a lot of people that are behind um, in these industries, especially self-storage, uh, on the tech side. And being yes. able to get in on that curve is essential to 
your survival. <laughs> I mean, we know what's happening, and it's true. We, we've seen this, and I think as we talk about, like, risks, I know this is going on for a little longer than most sponsors, but it's it's a rollout, and I, we think this stuff's important, so we really want to hit on it before we move on because we see a lot of uh, industry uh, uh, movement in what people are trying uh, to do in our industry, both on the ground in self-storage, but also to new technologies coming in that are trying to displace the current business model and do uh, you know on-demand storage, different techniques, which are more all online based. And for us, this is a way that we are right up there with them. And it's more of a competition to get us market share that's not. So anyways, we will add our uh, the links and everything for Noki in the, the description. I've been, once again, I've been to their facilities with their team. I've seen how these things are made and tested, which is just incredible. We've used it. Um, so we're, we're really happy to have them on as our first official sponsor. Uh, you can find the information on there and to reach out to us and we can, you know, we're going to make case studies out of some of our facilities that are partial no key and partial not. And we're happy to share that with, uh, everybody. So now on to today's topic, we're really, really excited to talk about this an in-depth insight on management management at storage facilities has is so crucial we're talking about and this no key thing actually leads into it very well just because in our large facilities that we have although we have the ability to be completely done online facilities have gotten bigger over time and we've seen that and they're more management intensive um, at these larger facilities. There's lots of things going on. You know, facilities are offering more products, services. We're being more competitive um, and executing on your sales, executing on your value proposition to the customers and offering 24-hour service. Um, there's so much that is just being added into the self-storage industry. Um, and as prices um, are fragmenting from a standpoint that it's becoming more of, you know, tier rated, better operated facilities can demand higher prices. Quality has never been more important and the execution on quality has never been more important. And that's done at the ground level. That is done with the manager working the front lines of your business. It's extremely important. Uh, we do trainings. Um, we have, we, so we support our managers in a few ways. And I, and I think I, well, let's kind of describe this. Um, our managers, first and foremost, their roles are to uh, get people in the door and quality, not, excuse me, not get people in the door, to sell people when they get in the door, to give offerings, to be consultative, you know, almost by nature, understanding their needs and making sure they rent and understand our value proposition and why we're awesome. And so people rent with us. Their second um, role is support to our tenants as needed. And then they also work with quality assurance and, um, and making things are updated. Now we have our manage, we have a management team that backs our managers. Those are that is broken up into three key parts that um, is important to understand how we manage our facilities 
and work with our manager. Uh, those three parts are what we'll call HR, which is just directly dealing, managing employees, time, you know, anything employee, individual related to our employees. The second part is the asset itself. So we're talking about buildings, we're talking about expansions, like developments, working with contractors, making sure that everything's looking nice, making sure that the facility, if it's damaged, um, working with insurance, everything, all that kind of stuff, expanding our new builds. um, And that's Connor, uh, right here. And then our last one is quality assurance, which is Sarah, so Jennifer and our team, if anyone looks us up or wants wants to know. And, you know, we're happy to have them come on too sometime to describe the function of their position uh, to back the manager up. Quality assurance, we're talking about lots of more, more of the things money related, right? We're talking delinquencies, policies, procedures, making sure that things are executed by the law um, because laws are different in every state. Um, then two, on top of that, we obviously have a CFO management team and the CFO handles our money. Um, and then from there, we also back our managers up with a call center. And now we have a lot of employees. We're strung over four states, but even though our, it's important to know, and you say, well, I may not have all that. Well, that's okay. But you may be playing that role, right? I played the role of all three. Me and my partners, when we started, there weren't, we didn't have this divided. We had, you know, a facility um, and we just figured it out. Uh, We relied a lot on the manager. Today, what we do is we have a a, a franchise-like structure. We, all of our branding is the same, looks the same. We have ways that we execute policies and procedures. And so now that we have a framework, our management company maintains the framework that our managers on site execute. I think that's probably the best way to explain it. For sure. And and two another thing too, as you're talking about this, it got to me got me to thinking about the the positive side of, of even of, of thinking of these things now in those times when you don't yet have that, because you need to be documenting what you're doing, how you're doing it, how you want things done, because those are going to turn in like you guys, it turned into your operating procedures that you then uh, consolidated and gave to your management team to then teach all of the, all all of our managers, essentially. So no, you're exactly right. You have to, so if you don't have these, and, and let me kind of tell you a story. When we first, started out um i was like we we had our facility stuff and we're like there we need to make sure that we're executing on all of these core areas efficiently and how does that do what is the expectation of a manager when somebody walks in how are we doing revenue management right what is the expectation of facility looks offerings product services insurance there's all these things that we didn't you have to figure out what are we, who are we, and how we're doing? When we first started out, we had these ginormous, like, sticky pads. Like, you know how you have a sticky pad you put on your desk? These were the size of, like, almost doors. And I'd put them all over the wall, and each one would have some area 
of our business that we were standardizing. And what we would do is we would look and we would see our managers and we'd work and look at best practices in the industry. And from those, we built out our policy and procedure manual, which we also converted that online. So Connor is 100% right. If you're not documenting particularly what works and what doesn't work and creating and turning that into a policy and procedure manual, it becomes very difficult to scale. So for an example, after we have the policy and procedure manual, we've documented after one, two facilities, the next facility that came on, we are able to send them and as screenshots of how you work on our online system expectations of hours, when you do collection calls, how auction works, all these things. And the manager can then learn and we can then have an on-site trainer come down and work with them to execute all those policies and procedures. And they can learn from it online and they have all the materials given to them. So it does two things. First of all, it creates a known structure. It creates the ability for you to work with that manager and go over job description, expectations, and then performance, which is really important. So our performance model that we have, we do uh, at least twice a year quality assurance checks on our facilities and the managers. Then on top of that, we do annual reviews, goal settings with them. We look at their job performance, which is all set, though, off the criteria that we've outlined those expectations of the managers. Now, when you're starting, it's okay not to fully know this stuff. That That's fine, right? One of the things, though, you don't want is you don't want your manager driving your business model. Your manager needs to focus on the inside operations of the business. You need to focus on the business. So the manager needs to be working in the business. You need to be working on the business. I can't stress this enough. And while you're working on the business, you are giving structure to that manager how to execute that job properly, um, the correct way to do rental rate increases. And there's some things that I guess this is a good point, too, to talk about. There are some things we don't let our managers do. Rate increases, revenue management, they cannot waive late fees. Um, they can't, you know, there's certain things that they just cannot do without getting permission from us. They need to take it up and give it because most facilities that we buy are not being run well. And most facilities that we buy, we actually don't keep the managers. I think we've kept two um, out of all our facilities that we bought and sold. The reason being is they have bad habits and bad expectations of a job. They believe their job is to just sit there. Because that's the kind of facilities that we buy. That we buy, exactly. Because we're buying underperforming facilities. Yet a huge portion of the time, they think they're right. And they think that we bought them because they were so awesome or something of that sort. And that causes a lot of conflict right off the bat. And a lot of times we're buying them because that on-site manager has been left to their own you know, management style or whatever to basically run the entire facility however they say fit, and they're doing a terrible job. And I don't think that's necessarily the manager's fault in all cases. It's because the guys that own the business weren't working on the business, and they just said, here's the keys, handle it. Don't do this. Be involved. Be involved. Yeah, you have to. You, you have to. If you want it to succeed and 
not get bought by AJ, that's right. <laughs> then you gotta you, you gotta be involved. I, I mean, we've seen a lot of it. You know, and I think we've talked on the podcast too, where um, one of our most recent acquisitions, the uh, the managers on site didn't even know the owner's name. They they'd never even met him. Nothing. Had no idea who they were. It was just like, dude, I I don't even know how you would do that. Yeah, I have no no idea. So it's very involved. Two, it's this happens a lot and it needs to be addressed. Lots of times when the managers are running their own shop, they're skimming off the top. It just happens, I, man. It just happens. And things that you need to know and how this is happening is most of the time you the owners, they never even know. The reason they don't know is they don't know how to audit the facility. They don't know a lot of their, you know, KPIs, their key performance indicators. So they're not watching things. They're not auditing things. A perfect example, a quick way to find if managers are skimming off the top, which I'd say 50%, maybe more of the facilities that we bought, this was happening. Um, the manager, if you take, if you audit locks to your online system of paying tenants, there's often discrepancies, i.e., there's locks on doors that don't show up in the system. So somebody's renting a unit, but the system shows that unit vacant, but that unit never gets rented. But somebody comes in and pays for cash for that unit. That would never happen. That would never happen. <laughs> Happens at all our facilities, <laughs> or not at our facilities, at facilities that we've purchased. Parking spaces that are, air quotations, vacant, but yet there's cars sitting in them. Delinquencies of people that either aren't paying or there's excuses or people are getting wait, late fees waived, although they're paying for late fees in cash. This happens a lot. So you need to understand, first of all, we keep a very tight grip. The manager has expectations on how late fees, how the money exchanges hands. They have to account for it. They have to take the money in. And we account for that every time that they do to identify any discrepancies. We do on-site lock checks. We map all of those out. And there's constant community or communication with the management and the on-site manager. And um, a lot of that stuff, real quick, that we were just talking about with these, these discrepancies. So kind of going back to that comment that we got um, about this topic is what are you looking for when evaluating a facility? All of those discrepancies that we just talked about is exactly what we look for. We look for that poor management, somebody that's not doing what they should be doing in regards to all the positives that we've also talked about, about that you know customer service, about um, keeping that facility up and running well, having the resources to run that facility well. I mean, if you go in there, the manager has obviously no idea really what they're doing or they don't care. The because they think their job description, and this is important, most of the facilities we buy, the manager literally thinks that their job description is to sit there, sign somebody up, and outside that, just make sure the building like doesn't burn down. That's almost the total extent, like Connor, uh, Connor commented. You know, we were looking at this facility to buy, and he's like, really, this is like a three-hour job. Because that's all that they think that there is. One of the facilities that we bought, the guy was putting in a big HD screen TV so that the manager could watch TV during the workday because there's nothing to do. Air quotes. There's Air nothing quotes. to do. <laughs> yeah. These are things we yeah. look for. We look for low expectations out of the business. 
We look for where employees are skimming off the top and the company doesn't even know what's happening. Through those audits. Through those audits. High delinquencies. We're looking for managers that say things like, oh, we're at the top of the market. If we raised rates, you know, we lose everybody. The reason being is managers are severely disincentivized to raise rates because they raise rates and all their tenants call them and they are mad. They're upset. So we'll find facilities that haven't raised rates in 10 years, and yet they've been 100% occupied the whole time, and they're now not in line with the market. Um, These are things we look at, right? Now, the problem is most of the time when we find those situations, these are all value-add things that we find. When you do buy it, you then have to tell the manager everything they've been doing is wrong. That does not go over well. Um, So most of the time, we have much better luck hiring somebody brand new walking them in, handing them the book, say, this is how you handle auctions. This is when you show up. This is when you open the door. This is how you greet tenants. This is how, now we're running our online things to be, bring people in. You look up, here's the rates given. You can't waive fees. There's all of these rules in how they deal with tenants, how they onboard them, how they, when tenants leave, what time frame is okay to let a unit not be cleaned out. I can't tell you how many units we found that are offline because the manager just never got them back online. That's a huge amount of money wasted. We bought a facility that had, what was it, 16 units? Yeah, yeah, it was 16 or 18 or something like that. 16 or 18 units that weren't even being sold. And originally, it just kept growing every time we would continue digging, you know, because initially it was only a few units. It's like, oh, we only have a few company units, and then... You know, come to find out, oh, well, there's another one there, there's another one there, there's another one there. And then and that, that's great news for, for us. For us. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> sweet, dude. We're getting all these extra units that we had no idea existed, essentially. Right? Yeah. So it, it works out really well. Um, and, and touching on kind of that second portion of that question, what you change in those facilities when we're evaluating the management aspect to it, again, like what we've talked about a lot here is – giving those policies, procedures, setting those expectations, pretty much everything we're talking about here uh, in general in this podcast of the issues that we see and essentially correcting those issues and how we change them is exactly the opposite. You give your managers structure, you give them expectations, you run your storage facilities like a business. They're not just this, you know, you buy it and let it sit and it's this don't, magical it's not cash cow thing. Away. Right. Don't, don't employ that model. And the two, the better systems you have, the more residual and passive that income is. And people don't understand that. They don't get that. The more involved you are in the front, the more you set it up, the more that you have dedicated time in which you operate it, do checkups, follow-ups, the more passive the income is because the less problems you have and the more known how that thing is supposed to be operating is. If you know exactly how that thing is supposed to be operating, you don't need to work very hard on it Because if it gets out of that line, then you know immediately what needs to be resolved and how it should look. If you don't, then before you know it, you have a mess and you're really not even sure. And how do you blame a manager for doing things that and having for not doing what your expectations are if those expectations aren't given? Yep, exactly. Exactly. And we did mention uh, another part of that that comment that we got. Again, thanks so much to everybody that comments on all this stuff um, and sending us these these show topics and ideas. Um, the other portion of that comment was how to evaluate employees already in place. I know, AJ, you mentioned we've only kept two employees from prior acquisitions. 
why don't you run everybody through how that ended up happening, why you kept them on versus doing what we normally do as far as getting rid of people and starting from square one, setting expectations and so on. Okay, so this is a great question. And this comes down to a lot of employee management um, and identifying uh, good employees that are going to grow your business. First and foremost, trust is a big, big deal for us. So if they'd been screwing the owners prior, there's no reason they're not going to screw me. So that's always a deal breaker. If they were taking something off the top, I'm not rehiring them. They're immediately fired. Or excuse me, I need to address this. This is really important. We don't fire them. When you take over a facility, you need to let the, the they're working for a previous prior company. We set it up so the owner needs to let them know that he's selling the company so they're no longer working for him and they can apply for a job with us. So it's a great way to do it. They do not assume the job is theirs. And then we will let them know. And we will, uh, you know, let them know if they're hired. And we go through an interview qualifying process with them. It's not given to them. It's not awarded to them. And two, a lot of owners fall into the trap that the manager tells us. So we bought a facility that, I kid you not, the manager told us we would fail if we didn't hire them. Now, we owned three facilities in that city alone. We had 12 across the country, and their facility was so undervalued, and it was almost falling apart, and the manager had the audacity to tell us that our whole entire company would fail if they didn't hire them. You know, it's borderline delusional, but I can't tell you how many managers say this to owners, and you would say that's stupid, that would never work, but it did. It worked on her previous owners. In fact, those owners owned another facility in town she went and started working at that facility. No this way. This manager was skimming off the top of countless units. The owners couldn't even give us a actually accurate P&L lined with the current units rented. And these guys were syndicating assets. This wasn't some Joe Blow that didn't know what they were doing. They were syndicating assets and buying them. So if we followed so. up recently, AJ, with that other... Storage yeah. facility that she went to. I work. know we, we would like to buy that one too. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, it shows what they what power some of those managers can have over or try to have on you because they want job security. And two, we walked up to the facility, which was fairly run down or whatnot. The manager was driving a nicer car than I owned. That should have been the first red flag that your manager was taking three thousand a month off your uh, storage facility. But when you look at it. And you say, the lot, I, this is a constant trap they fall into. The owner gets nervous. They get nervous that if they don't have that person there because they know all the tenants. These are common excuses. I know all the tenants. They're all my best friends. And if you fire me, they're all going to leave. Well, we fired her. No one left. And we had a higher occupancy the next month. That never happens. People aren't renting there, and they don't pick up and leave because of the manager. It's not that, not that type of business. But these are the things that your managers, I, I, I got to say, probably 60% of the facilities that we bought, the managers would say things like that. They would say, you can't get rid of me because I know everybody. And they'd, they'd bash on the previous owners, which is always a red flag to me. And they'd say, these guys are idiots. The only reason this was doing anything is because I'm here, which tells me you're going to think that I'm an idiot. And also tells me that anything that I put forward to you, you're going to fight me on. 
and you're going to hate me because you're saying that my way is right. These are huge red flags. Red flag central. don't get trapped. Don't get trapped by them. I can't stress that enough. Make sure that the facility manager, here's what you need to look for. Those are the things that you don't look for. A facility manager, you want to be good with details, but also almost a natural salesperson. You know, we have managers that you walk in the door and they smile, they stand up. And when, so we have, our managers need to stand up and greet people when they come into the building. That is a standard and that's a, a, a policy that we have. Um, that shouldn't be a problem with them. Like if these people are anti, uh, not even anti-social, if they just, they want to get a job at a storage facility because they don't want to be around people, that's a red flag. And two, you also want people that have a good backbone that they can tell people, listen, no, you didn't pay your rent. And when they call up and they say, my, 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 you know, listen, my mom died. And you say, this is the fourth time this year that your mom's died. (laughs) And that's a true story. That actually happened. We had a manager that called him out and said, this is the fourth time your mom's died this year. So they need to be able to stand up for what you're doing. They need to believe in what you're trying to achieve. And this is really important. I tell people, I don't want people to work here if they don't want to be here. If you don't want to work for this company, if you don't believe in our structure and what we're doing, please don't. I don't want to I don't I don't want it to be uncomfortable for you. I want people that love our company, that represent us and are like, "Listen, no, I know these guys. These are great guys and they really want to have a really nice asset here because we lift up the assets we buy. They're better products. We we don't allow shenanigans to happen in our facilities and our rules, policies and procedures are set in place to protect our tenants and to keep things fair. And when people when our managers get upset at us and say, "Well, you just have no heart and so you're going to charge this person who's, you know, having a having a rough time and you're not going to make them pay late fees." I go, "No. Actually, I have a heart and that is unfair to the 600 other tenants we have at this building that because of the, this one's life circumstances, they don't have to follow the rules when we may not know what is going on with the other tenants. It's just not fair. And so you want to make sure that they believe in those things and that they stand up for them, their attention to detail, they're likable, people want to be in there, and they're service-oriented. So those are the kind of people that we're looking to hire at our facilities. We want them to be able to solve co- you know, problems, have a little critical thinking here, because you know, you think it's just a storage facility, but if you think that, you're already losing the game. This is unlike any other real estate asset. You got people coming in, and you want your manager, manager to be a rock star. And that's what we look for. And we have managers that are incredible and that I trust is just all day long. Um, and let me tell you about the two managers that we had that we kept real quick. The two managers that we kept and why we kept them. Now, you think that raising rates is unfair on a manager or hard. Let me tell you a little story real quick about a facility we have. Um, we bought a facility and we bought it at auction. It was so far under market rates. It was insane. It was absolutely nuts. It was not competitive. It was not lined. And the previous owners did nothing to it. Um, the manager was sitting, had her her chair on a cardboard box. They had no heating in the building. And we came in and we said, listen, this is who we are. This is what we're, we're doing. This is what we're all about. 
and we're going to change this and make this look nice. And I sat her down and I said, but I'm not going to lie to you. The next few months are not going to be fun. And this is something that I've always had with our managers. I want to be completely transparent and I understand what they're going through. So they, they, they need to understand that you get it. And I'm not going to fluff this up and say, oh, it's not that bad. No, this is going to suck. Because our average rent increase was 76%. And we gave out rents that were like 100 and something percent, like 160. I mean, they were huge because they were just so far under. And the facility couldn't perform it that way and everything else. We fixed up the front office. We completely ripped everything out. We put new security in. We redid the facility. And we really improved that asset. But for two months, she had people calling up, screaming at her. And when we listened to the calls, because we record everything, and you should too, you need to have all control over the phones, email at your facility. That's another how you, how you manage um, managers. But she stood up for us. And she was like, I know these people. These are good people. And you are not paying market rate. So you're welcome for not having to pay that for 10 years. Like, that's great that you got to do that. And because of that, we knew that she was backing us up in front of our customers without knowing that we were, we were listening. And there was no at all any sign of ever fraudulent anything. She was running it completely by herself. And all the books, everything lined up exactly. So that was something we looked for. She could take, you know, the hits when they come in. She would not fold and say, you're right. The people that I own, the people that just bought this are horrible people. They don't care about you. Like she got it. She got what we're all about, what we were trying to achieve in that facility. Um, those are the kind of people you want to have have on board. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you talked about uh, talked about that for sure, because it's huge. It's huge. Those, those are definitely the people that you want. You definitely don't want the other people. You want to look for facilities, obviously, like we've talked about throughout this podcast, where there are those issues that you can come in. And uh, uh, I, I guess that is kind of one case where it wasn't the manager's fault, the way the facility is being run. Not at all. Um, so that's a, that's a really, really good example of, of that for sure. Um, no, it's been a great topic. And again, thank you guys for uh, sending us your emails and your comments and leaving us those reviews. It really helps us out a ton. It lets it us hear from you guys and know exactly what you're looking for and what you want to hear more of. Um, so we take your guys' call when you email. I mean, I literally talk to somebody at least almost every other day. Um, and there's days where I talk to multiple people from the podcast. Um, we enjoy it. And your topics, we are trying to bring relevant people in and we're, we're trying to be as sincere to you guys as we can. We think that's extremely important in this changing industry and we want the industry to change because a rising tide, you know, rises all boats and we strongly believe that. And the better our other operators are in the industry is better for everyone because rates will go up, quality will go up, and uh, we want to be high quality and service-oriented. And two, we work a lot with the ISS and SSA on changing laws, regulations of the state. The better our competitors are in the industry and not doing bad things, the least likely we're going to get more government oversight, which is really important. If you look at today what's happening to apartment buildings, things like that, where they don't People don't even need to pay. They can't get them out. And all of a sudden, you have apartment building owners that are they're, they're really worried about 
what they're going to, we don't worry about that. We don't have those kind of things. So, um, we want to, you know, we hope that this stuff is helping you guys uh, continue letting us know, but uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. And keep up with us on the website, selfstorageincome.com. Yep. Get at us on social media, hang out. Um, we've got all kinds of free stuff on the website that you guys yep. can download and use to evaluate properties to get the ball rolling on all this stuff. Because, uh, I mean, there's opportunity everywhere, no matter, you know, when you guys might be listening to this podcast. So absolutely stay up to date with everything. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.